Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, the Dodgers re-signed a reliever who could be key for them in 2024. We'll also talk about some of the rumors swirling about a couple of big Japanese superstars who the Dodgers are probably in on, including uh, you know a guy named Shohei. And then we will talk about Andrew Friedman's conversation with Kirsten Watson and what he said and didn't say about the Dodgers' offseason plans. That's what's on tap, so let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now. Then you can be in every day or just like we are. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. That guy next to me is Vince Samperio. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And Vince, I was thinking about this last week when we were talking. Uh, I wonder, I bet there aren't many Dodgers podcasts uh, that have been around longer with the original hosts than you and I have. If you factor in both Locked On Dodgers, which we've been doing for nearly five years now, and then the Scully Avenue podcast, which we did for what three years before that. So, uh, yeah, we're 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 coming up on eight years together. Yeah, we're we're common law married in some states. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, we we should start reaping some more benefits coming soon. Yeah, my my daughter is almost as old as you were when we started podcasting together. So, uh, I mean, not really close, but she's she's nineteen. You were twenty four. So you know, it's pretty yeah. close. Uh, I was I was still in my 30s back then, if you can imagine. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, we actually got some some Dodgers news, and we had talked about this as a possibility. Uh, we, something I don't think caught anybody by surprise. I think everybody uh, either expected or at least wasn't going to be surprised by this. Joe Kelly coming back to the Dodgers uh, for kind of his third stint with the Dodgers. You know, depending on if you count last year after the trade and this year as a as a separate stint, but. Uh, you know, the Dodgers signed him after the 2018 World Series when he pitched really well against them. He spent a couple of years with the Dodgers and then uh, went to the White Sox. And even when he signed with the White Sox, there was a lot of talk then that the Dodgers and Kelly had mutual interest. And so that one was a little surprising that he didn't come back to the Dodgers. He spent a year and a half there in Chicago, didn't pitch well, didn't pitch a lot because of injury. And then they traded him back to the Dodgers and he pitched well again. And if you look at Joe Kelly's career, like he's had, if you sort his uh, his seasons by ERA, like his five, three of his five best uh, ERA performances have been three of the four years that he spent with the Dodgers. Uh, he has been significantly better with the Dodgers. If you look at by team, his ERA with the Cardinals was, I, I guess Cardinals was better because he was a starting pitcher. So his one good season counted for more. 325 ERA with the Cardinals, 342 with the Dodgers, and then 433 at the Red Sox, 559 with the White Sox. Uh, so uh, you had young prospect Joe Kelly, who was really good with the Cardinals, and then 
bad for a long time. And then the Dodgers seem to get a lot out of Joe Kelly. Yeah. And, you know, it makes sense. We even when we talked about Hector Neris as a possibility on last episode, we brought up Joe Kelly. And what did I say? I'd rather have Joe Kelly than Hector Neris just for the simple fact of the stuff. And and that's kind of the biggest thing with Kelly is that he still has the stuff. He still can pump a hundred in there, you know, sits 98, 99, still has the nasty off speed pitches. It's just you don't always know which Kelly you're gonna get. And sometimes, you know. Kelly's ERA with the Dodgers doesn't necessarily match the headaches we might have had watching him pitch because, like, you know, he'll walk the bases loaded and then strike the next three guys out. I don't know if he ever did that specifically, but, you know, he'll have – he'll make it a fun time sometimes watching him pitch and then, you know, get a big strikeout. And, and that's because he has the good stuff. So it makes sense. You know, overall, there was one report that he's getting one year $8 million. The buyout that he got was $1 million, so that adds up to $9 million. The original option was 9.5 million. So, you know, maybe it was just a matter of, hey, we're going to let Joe Kelly explore. And, you know, he didn't find anything that he wanted. The reports were that he wanted to stay on the West Coast. And, you know, why not here at home in L.A. with the Dodgers? He can fit into that back end of the bullpen pretty well. Not necessarily, you know, the back back end, but the mid to back end. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and even his one bad year with the with the Dodgers 2019, when he had a 456 ERA. Uh, most of that was in that first month. His ERA after his first month with the Dodgers was 10-13. And it was 261 the rest of the season, you know, in 38 innings. So basically since that first month with the Dodgers, his entire time with the Dodgers has been good when he's on the mound. And like you said, there is a lot of uh, angst with it sometimes. Uh, he doesn't always know where the ball's going. And, and maybe even a bigger deal is that He's not always on the mound. He is injury prone. He has spent a lot of time on the injured list throughout his career. Uh, but all in all, like like you said, like a guy like Joe Kelly, I don't mind an injury prone guy because he's not taking up a roster spot when he's on the IL. And so what, what you don't want is somebody who is bad or is mediocre. Uh, and so not quite bad. You know, the uh, who was it a couple of years ago that we were just shocked that he ended up making it all the way through the season uh, all these Dodgers relievers blend together in my mind. I mean, there was Brian Wilson a decade or so ago. Craig Kimbrough. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kimbrough was one of them. It, that's not who I was thinking of, but somebody, it's like, he's not, oh, uh, uh, Yimmy Garcia. Like, mm -hmm. what you don't want is a Yimmy Garcia type who's going to come in, he's going to give up a home run, you know, every other time that he pitches. He's going to be bad, but just not quite bad enough that somebody in AAA would be Phil better. Bickford. Yeah, Phil Bickford, yeah. So, uh but a guy like Joe Kelly, who when he's healthy, he's very good. And when he's not, he's on the IL. I, I think that's the kind of guy the Dodgers should be signing, especially in the bullpen, where these guys can be, you know, replaceable. You you know, cycle guys in and out when they're hurt and when they're not hurt and everything. Uh, and hopefully he can have a healthy season and, and a dominant season. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I am nothing but happy about this Joe Kelly signing. Yeah, and – Different from the last time he signed with the Dodgers, which was a three-year deal, which, you know, was very surprising at the time. And like I said, depending how you feel about the different times, you know, did it maybe work out? I think it worked out. I think it worked out, you know, for what for what it was. This is a one-year deal, eight mil, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to cost them much. Even if he is hurt, they've paid people just amount, the same amount to not pitch for them. And if he ends up not pitching for them because of injury, then... You know, the, the, that's where this is where the Dodgers can get away with the financial might because most teams aren't going to pay a million for a reliever. They're not 100% sure can make it through the entire season. And yeah. the Dodgers can do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of financial, Mike, we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about uh, a couple Japanese supersize Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who are free agents, rumors swirling about both of them, and uh, the Dodgers very much in play for both of them. So we will talk about that uh, when we get back. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen, and please keep it Locked On Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Moneyline bet just means pick the winner. Don't have to worry about spreads or odds or anything like that. Just pick the winning team. And if you put at least 5 bucks on it, you get $150 in bonus bets that you can use on FanDuel to then bet on things. You know, if you want to do some of the other kinds of bets. Uh, they've, if you think about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick, kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hey, we're back. We want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. We want to... Thank you, uh, especially our everydayers, for being with us and uh, you know checking us out every weekday morning. We really appreciate it. If you're not an everydayer, we'd love for you to be one. It's really easy to become one. All you got to do is watch or listen every weekday morning. We also want to remind you that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. It's called Locked On Sports Today, and it's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. There's also a 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube devoted specifically to Los Angeles sports. It's called Locked On Sports Los Angeles, and both of those, Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles, are with you 24-7 on YouTube for all of your sports needs, so check those out. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comments section. If you're listening on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you through email or social media. We'll give you all that contact info at the end like we always do. And with that said, uh, Vince, we've got uh, swirling rumors. The baseball meetings, uh, the winter meetings started this weekend. Really, they start in earnest today. Uh, the only thing that really happens on Sunday is the Veterans Committee Hall of Fame vote announcement, and Jim Leland was the only one elected on this ballot. Jim Leland's very, very deserving. A couple other guys who probably should have been in, Lou Pinella and Bill White, finished second and third. Nobody else got even five votes, uh, so they don't even show up on the results. One of the people on the ballot was Joe West. It's heartening to know that he didn't get five votes because he was really bad at his job for a long time, and that's not Hall of Fame material. Uh, but the winter meetings really start today. And with that, we start getting rumors. You remember there was winter meetings last year that Arson Judge signed with the Giants. Uh, and then later Aaron Judge re-signed with the Yankees. Uh, winter, winter meetings where Cody Bellinger signed with the Cubs. A lot of stuff went down. Trey Turner signed with the Phillies. Uh, nobody signed with the Dodgers uh, until right at the very end of the winter meetings. The Dodgers signed Jason Hayward as a to a minor league contract. I think that was their only action in the winter meetings last year. Uh, this year, Things are going to be different, I think. I think they're going to make a splash uh, either at the winter meetings or after. They're, they're definitely taking a different approach. We're going to talk in the last segment uh, of this episode about their approach, but specifically two of the biggest free agents, probably the two biggest free agents, are two-way superstar Shohei Otani and Japanese pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, and there were rumors about both of them. John Morosi said of Otani, he said, Shohei Otani is likely to decide on a team within the next week, according to one source engaged with the top end of the free agent market. Uh, let's talk about Otani first, then we'll get to the Yamamoto rumors. Uh, 
like, I, I don't doubt that somebody told John Morosi what he tweeted. Um, I do wonder, like, one source engaged with the top end of the free agent market. Does that mean somebody in a front office, you know, of like a Dodgers front office person? Hey, they're, they're engaged in the front. Like, or does it mean, yeah, I, I, it could mean anything. And it means, so that means it means nothing. Um, and the fact is one of the biggest stories of this offseason is that nobody is really a source when it comes to Shohei Otani, right? Yeah. I mean, we've seen how many reports and tweets and everything so far. And, you know, the part of it is that most of them aren't going to get checked. Well, because one, people might not care enough. Two, the people, or if people do care enough, like realistically, nobody's going to care once he signs. And then three, like you can say whatever you want, because if you're right, then you end up being right. And if you're wrong, you just say, well, you know, it changed or whatever you want to say. And, and for Otani, I think that's where it's at. The one other rumor that maybe has a little bit more substance, but then it's also John Heyman is that he's received Otani's received multiple bids of at least 500 million, which that wouldn't necessarily come from Otani's camp. Like there could be teams or, or somebody that's, that has told him that. Um, and it said, you know, maybe that pushes it to 600 mil for whoever wins. You know, a lot of the stuff, the other report was that Otani was meeting with teams this weekend in LA and then, you know, supposed to decide this week. Uh, there's other reports that Otani already knows what team he wants to play for and that the, his agents just driving up the price at this point. Like, we don't know. And, uh, you know, for someone like me who's in the baseball landscape for work, it's kind of cool because you just get free engagements every day, you know, free, you know, free stuff every day to use that people can argue about. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, but for someone that's like fan of the team, you know, if you were sitting here and following every rumor and every thought, it would be pointless to me because, like I said, I, I don't think anyone knows what Otani and his camp are doing. I think anything that comes out is either speculation, you know, educated guesses or coming from the team side. Yeah, it will be interesting if he ends up being right that there's already multiple $500 million offers. You know, I said uh, a while back, I didn't think he would get $500 million. I thought somebody would go $50 million a year or 10 years, but not both. Um, and, and, you know, but what we saw last year is that when the feeding frenzy starts, like it's logically that would make sense. Uh, but once the feeding frenzy starts in the, the winter meetings and the off season, it's like, uh, if there's a team intent on getting him and, and you know, they, they might go crazy like that. And the fact is, I really do believe that he has known for months, if not years, what team he's going to play for in 2024. Uh, and you know, th this is, yeah, you go through the process, you, you keep everybody inter interested so that you get as much money as possible. But in the end, you're going to the team that you wanted to play for there. You know, we've said it many times, there's no practical difference between 500 million and 600 million uh, from how much money can you spend in one lifetime standpoint. And even a number that huge is probably going to pale in comparison to the money Otani is going to make in sponsorships and, and all of that throughout the life of the contract. And so He's not, it's not a question of, okay, somebody else offered him $600 million. Andrew Freeman, go give, offer him 620. You know, if he wants the Dodgers, he's going to pick the Dodgers as long as their offer isn't insultingly low. And, uh, you know, that's, that's good. It's also scary because, you know, there's only so much the Dodgers can do. And all we can do is really guess at what he wants in a team. We can guess that he wants to play for a winning team. 
or sorry, winning team. Dodgers checked that box. We can guess that he likes the West Coast since he picked the Angels last time. Dodgers checked that that box. He, he probably likes nice weather. Dodgers checked that box. You know, the, the Dodgers can check all the boxes, but the problem is all we can do is guess which boxes Shohei Otani wants the team to check. Yeah, the one thing that I've thought about, and, you know, it could be different. So, like, you know, he's very – doesn't talk to the press, you know, even as an angel, he really only talked on days he started. He didn't like, if he was just a hitter that day and hit three home runs, he, he might not even talk. The angels were very catering to whatever he wanted PR wise. And, you know, they kind of had to be because they wanted, like they had him sign, but they also wanted him to stay after his contract. The next thing that signs him, you know, could potentially be his last contract. I don't think, I don't know if, the, I don't think that'll be possible, but it could be his last contract. And I wonder if, you know, if that factors in at all, like, okay, you know, I don't want to talk to media unless I'm pitching, blah, 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 or, you know, unless I want to different, you know, different things that I've heard from people that cover the angels that, you know, kind of surrounded the Otani frenzy. I don't know. I don't know if that factors into it. Probably not, but I, I, uh, for me, it's like, okay, if he signs with the Dodgers, like I can't see there being a way where he's like, oh, no, I don't want to talk to the media today. Yeah, and, and yeah, there will be it, – we, we don't know much about Shohei Otani. It's kind of weird, you know, and so we don't know why he doesn't talk to the media. Maybe it's just because he was playing for a crappy team with a crappy owner, you know, uh, but, you know, who, who knows? But uh, uh, I think he's coming to the Dodgers. I really do think, you know – when I think about it logically, you just you know, take away the fact that I want the Dodgers to sign him, all those boxes. I don't know there's another team team that can check all the boxes, you know, especially if the West Coast is important. You know, and like I said, all we can do is guess what's important to him. But if the West Coast is important, it's the Dodgers, Giants, or Mariners, right? Because the Padres don't have any money and the A's are the A's. And so uh, you know, and the Mariners just traded Jared Kelnick and a couple other players to the Braves basically just a salary dump, you know, and is that a salary dump because they don't want to spend any money or a salary dump to save up money to spend on someone like Shohei Otani? Who knows? Uh, the Giants, they check a lot of boxes, but, you know, uh, they're not a perennial winner. They are a solid team. Uh, the weather in San Francisco isn't nearly as nice as the weather in LA, uh, if that matters to them. So, you know, it seems like the Dodgers make sense, but again, hopefully the rumor that he's deciding in the next week is right because uh, I'm excited to talk about new Dodger Shohei Otani instead of future Dodger Shohei Otani. Yeah, uh, definitely ready for all the rumors and stuff to end, but I guess that we can talk about the Giants and the other guy, Yamamoto, as uh, I think Susan Slusser said that she's hearing that the Giants are either the favorites or in on him, high on him, whatever the wording was. Uh, yeah, Drift, does that scare you, or do you think that's a tactic? Yeah, she said a lot of the uh, a lot of the other teams involved view the Giants as the favorite, and uh, you know, it's yeah, the Giants are definitely a good option there. They it's a good pitcher's park that they play in. Um, obviously, San Francisco it checks a lot of those boxes, like we were talking about for a Japanese player wanting to come over, um, the very first Japanese player in MLB history played for the Giants back in 1964 or whatever it was. Uh, Masanori Murakami, I think was his name. Um, so there's a little bit of history there, not the history that the Dodgers have, but, you know, um, I we do know, or we at least have heard and suspect that it's accurate, that the Giants really, really, really want Yamamoto and Otani. Um, 
And so they are going to be aggressive on both of those guys. And uh, Yamamoto, we, in some ways we know even less about than Otani um, because he's, you know, never played in the major leagues yet. Uh, we do might suspect that he's going to be a little bit more traditional in free agency and actually go to the highest bidder. Um, but we don't know that for sure. And so, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say it scares me. In fact, it, a little bit excites me because if the Dodgers can sign Yamamoto and Otani, like not only does it help the Dodgers, but it also makes the Giants and their fans sad. And I like that. Um, the Giants are, I think, the only current team that I uh, I like the idea of the Dodgers doing something just to make their fans sad. Um, and so, you know, especially if it helps the Dodgers too. I, I'm I'm totally on board with that. And, uh, you know, the rumors are rumors. A team that other teams see as a front runner doesn't actually mean that much to me. Yeah, I think... Well, one, assuming it would just be Yamamoto, even if he did go to the Giants, I don't you know, think that changes much on their end. I do think, you know, obviously they'd have Logan Webb who finished second in Cy Young. They'd have Yamamoto who is expected to be up there. You know, Kyle Harrison's developing. But, they're, you know, their issue is they also can't score a lot of runs. They don't have a lot of thump, whatever the case is. So I think it's – if the Giants are in on Yamamoto that much, I think it's because maybe they're not in on Otani as much. And maybe, you know, they, they have that, you know, realistically they have the money to go get both of them, but it's also a matter of, you know, is ownership going to do that? Is that something that those players want? You know, there's a lot of different factors into that. Whereas, you know, if they're in on one guy only specifically, then, you know, maybe that means they're not in on the other guy. But yeah, I think last year's offseason, even though it didn't necessarily benefit the Dodgers, you know, directly by via via player but the fact that you know they thought they were going to get aaron judge and they didn't they literally had carlos correa in their city believed to have signed him and then they didn't and then they ended up with you know conforto and mitch hanniger and you know a bunch of these guys and finished in third or fourth place wherever they finished in and yeah, it, it was fun to kind of see that play out if that played out again I, it would be funny just as yeah, it was last year it definitely would uh there's specific stuff on the Dodgers approach. That's the Giants approach. We're going to talk in a minute about the Dodgers approach to the offseason, kind of based on some stuff that Andrew Friedman said to Kirsten Watson and just kind of our thoughts. So we'll be back with that. So thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen, and please keep it Locked On Dodgers. Hey, we're back. Thank you again for making us your first listen every weekday morning, especially all you everydayers for Locked On Dodgers. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you're not an everydayer, just start watching or listening every weekday morning, and then you are an everydayer. Also want to remind you about Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles, two 24-7 streaming channels on YouTube where you can get all of your sports fix 24 hours a day, whether you're into the national stuff, Locked On Sports Today, or just Los Angeles sports, Locked On Sports Los Angeles. Uh, you can see this podcast on yeah, at least on Locked On Sports Los Angeles, we might even show up on Locked On Sports today, like after the Dodgers signed Shohei Otani. A better episode will show up on there. So check out both of those anytime you need your sports fix. And uh, Andrew Friedman talked with Kirsten Watson. Uh, it was about what you would expect from a general manager in the offseason as the winter ring is about to start, which is to say he didn't say anything. Um, but the things he didn't say can tell us a little bit. And you know, we, we, we've known Andrew Friedman long enough to kind of get a feel for what he's what he's thinking. So uh, what were some of your takeaway uh, quotes or non-quotes from him, Vince? Yeah, the one thing that did stand out is that he talked about 
there's been a lot of momentum kind of building up for certain things and he thinks they're all going to come to a head soon. So he said that, you know, that might be in Nashville. That might be the days after Nashville. That might be in the coming weeks, but that he does see a lot of the, you know, some of the things happening. I don't, he didn't say directly with the Dodgers, but that a lot of it might be, you know, coming to head soon. He also said that, you know, in years past or specifically last off season, everyone kind of thought, you know, Dodgers weren't, trying to spend because they're saving for Otani, whatever the case was, which I didn't put too much stock into as saving for Otani. I just thought that, you know, they weren't going to spend 250, 300 mil on Dansby Swanson or Xander Bogarts or Trey Turner or anybody like that. But, you know, he did kind of mention not that they were going to spend this offseason, but, you know, he reiterated that they're grateful for the ownership that we have, that the Dodgers have, and, you know, being willing to spend or do whatever is necessary to put the best team out there. I do think him referencing that directly might be something like, okay, you know, we're planning on spending again, just like the trade deadline. It's not always up to them. You know, trade deadlines usually a little bit more up to them, but as we saw this last one, like they had a trade for Eduardo Rodriguez. He said, no, they wanted Justin Verlander could offer it a better package if anything to the Mets, but Verlander didn't want to go there. He wanted to go to Houston. So I think free agency is a little bit of the same where, you know, especially California taxes and everything else. Like there's a lot of ways where they could offer the same amount of money as another team. And that pay, player just picks the other team. And, and you said it before us as Dodger fans don't expect that or don't think that's possible, but it is possible. So I do think, you know, we saw they were willing to throw 165 at Aranola. The reports were, and you know, that's probably more than they would have in previous years, maybe. So, you know, it's, those were kind of the two that stood out of like, all right, cool. They're that, Stuff should be happening soon, and it should be happening soon for the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. The I agree with you. I've always thought it was overblown the idea of the Dodgers just looking to Otani after the 2023 season. They're saving up all their money for that. It's Otani or bust. Obviously, the Dodgers knew Otani was going to be a free agent, and he would be the top free agent on the market this offseason. But the Dodgers, their mo in free agency is spend money wisely, and so and that gives you flexibility going forward. You know, they it's not always uh, the happy answer for Dodger fans. And, you know, we've talked before about the Phillies owner saying sometimes you have to spend stupid money and how this might be the off season for the Dodgers to actually do that a little bit. Um, but the fact is free agency isn't the only way to build a team. And for the reasons you mentioned, it's often not even the best way to build a team because you are almost always paying for somebody's past rather than their future. By the time they hit free agency, you know, with few exceptions, you are paying for what somebody has done more than what you think he's going to do. And that's just the going rate for, you know, that's how the economics of baseball work right now. Um, and, and that's okay. But if you're trying to build a sustainable long-term winner, it's maybe not the best approach. And the fact is, if the Dodgers sign Shohei Otani to a 10-year contract, they will be paying more for his past than for his future. I think they would hope that he would be an elite hitter for six or seven of those 10 years. Uh, but he'll be 39 years old by the end of a 10-year contract. And very few 39-year-olds are great hitters. And now with inflation and everything, if they sign him to 50 million a year, that won't look like 50 million a year, uh, you know, 10 years from now, but it'll still be a lot of money. And chances are he won't be worth it uh, on paper. But you, there's also a decent chance that he will be worth a lot more than $50 million in the first few years of the contract. And so, you know, you average all that stuff together and, and just try to hope it works out. Um, 
But that's why the Dodgers do often do more on the trade market, because like you said, they can control that a little bit more a lot of the time. Uh, it, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez had the no trade clause. Most guys don't have no trade clauses. Tyler Glass now, Randy Rosarena, they don't have no trade clauses. And so if the Dodgers make the best offer to the Rays for those two guys, they'll get them. And, and that's, you know, I, I, I suspect, I've never met Andrew Friedman in person, but I suspect he's the kind of personality that likes things that he can control. And, you know, being able to say, look, I made you the best offer, so let's make the trade. Boom, it's done. I think that's probably more his style. And, uh, you know, it's probably exciting for him to have Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto on the free agent market. It's also probably a little bit scary and maybe a little frustrating that I could do everything right. I can make the best offer. I could do everything. And if he doesn't want to sign with me, he doesn't have to. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's uh, I'm with Friedman on that. Like, that's got to be frustrating. Uh, it's frustrating to me as a fan or scary to me as a fan, knowing that as much as I want Shohei Otani on the Dodgers, if he's already decided he wants to play for the Cubs or the Blue Jays, He's going to play for the Cubs or Blue Jays, even if Andrew Friedman offers him 700 million bucks. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously the Dodgers were at a little bit of a disadvantage when he first came over because there was DH in the National League. But, you know, they've, they've had Otani on, you know, somewhat comparable grounds. And, you know, he did pick another team. I do think if everyone had DH back then, I would imagine the Dodgers would have been his pick, but maybe not. But again, they didn't have. They couldn't do anything else other than what they did, you know, whatever they pitched them and, you know, finding Kershaw and whoever else they flew in and all that type of type of stuff. So, yeah, I think it, it's, it's difficult. I think, you know, the questions he was answering, you know, the way he was answering questions was obviously in what we expect. You can't say too much, you know, and Kirsten Watson was also serving the questions in that regard. Like, you know, I know we can't say Shohei Otani specifically, but, you know, if there was a big free agent, like how do you handle that and everything else? And, you know, kind of what he said was, you know, if we go through what our offseason plan was, I'd need a whole whiteboard and just kind of draw it out because it's all fluid. It's all moving. It's all, you know, if this happens, it's not it's not like, OK, if Shohei Otani doesn't sign, we're trading for Tyler Glass now and Randy Rosarena. Or if Otani does sign, OK, now we're, you know, we're signing Yamamoto. You know, there's a lot of going to be a lot of moving parts. And that's the part you can't control. If someone wants to give Jordan Montgomery 250 mil and the Dodgers wanted to offer him 150 mil, they can't fight that. You know, they can't change that. They could obviously offer him the 250 mil, but that's not practical. And it's not how you build a team that's made the playoffs, you know, over for, for a decade. Uh, and, that, and you know, I think they are going to spend where they need to. I think, you know, they can look at – it's one of those things where you can have a sustainable winner, but you're always going to have a window that's probably a little bit better than others. And right now that window is Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. You already have them signed for the next four years together. I think you try to maximize that four-year window while also keeping the you know rest of the time open. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We shouldn't expect hard-hitting news when the Dodger-employed reporter asks the Dodger-employed GM <laughs> questions on the Dodgers channel. You know, uh, but you know the, what he did say does give us a little bit of insight. And uh, I think they're going to be aggressive. And winter meetings is always a fun week. There's, you know, I I can almost guarantee that tomorrow's episode there will be some news to talk about even if it's not dodgers news you know there will be signings there will be trades there's stuff going to be happening uh i wish i was in nashville you and i were at the winter meetings together last year i'm bummed that i'm not there this year uh i love nashville so much but uh should be a fun week and i'm looking forward to it yeah you got anything else for today vince uh dodgers were named with braves and orioles for dylan Cease talks again but i gotta imagine those won't that won't happen until some other stuff happens 
Yeah, I think so too. I think Cease is a little bit lower on the list of Dodgers starting pitching priorities. So, all right, that'll do it for us for today. Thank you all for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Especially thank you to our everydayers. If you're not an everydayer, become one by watching and listening every weekday morning. Uh, remember Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles, two 24-7 streaming channels on YouTube that you can check out for all your sports needs all the time. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince since 91. I am on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open for both of us there. You can also email us, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com, or you can send us a voicemail or a text message at 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.